Hello and welcome to the Legacy of Generosity podcast, developed by the Leave a Legacy Committee of the Minnesota Gift Planning Association. We are a group of fundraising professionals here to grow and learn with you, our listeners. Twice a month, our co-hosts are joined by a special guest to talk about all things related to being a stronger fundraiser and nonprofit leader. A huge thank you to our sponsors, the Minnesota Initiative Foundations, for making this show possible. Now, without further ado, let's dive into today's show. Here are your hosts. Hello and welcome, everyone, to a Legacy of Generosity podcast. I'm Gay Gonerman. I'm today's host. I am a director, or a director of donor engagement at Lake Wapagasset Lutheran Bible Camp, and I serve on the Legal Legacy Committee of the Minnesota Gift Planning Association. And my guest today is Kim Snyder from the Excelsior Bay Group, and we're going to talk about Beyond the Checkbook and how community-based fundraising builds capacity. So um, again, Kim is the founder of the Excelsior Bay Group and comes to us with a wealth of experience in nonprofit uh, development and management work and uh, as a consultant. And so I am going to say welcome, Kim, first of all. Thank you, Gay. And I'm just going to start off, what what sort of connected me with you in the first place was um, I flagged something that you were involved in in Mankato, some uh, community-based philanthropy dialogues, I guess you'd say. And I'm really interested in what work you were doing there uh, in that community and uh, kind of what some of the what some of the process was and who the players were, the participants, and and kind of how you moved from point A to point B. If you would t- start by telling us about that, please. Absolutely. Well, um, thank you, Gay. I'm I'm happy to be here, and um, I'm I'm really excited to tell you about the work that that I'm doing with the Mankato Area Foundation. I, I actually serve as their consultant in residence. And I started in that role in um, October of 2021, I think, and have, um, and we piloted this consultant in residence um, function or program uh, as a way of, of helping the foundation better understand what the nonprofit community needed. And, um, and as a as a tool for it to actually provide more support and um, resources for nonprofits to build their capacity so they could better advance their missions. Um, and so it's been kind of, to be really honest, it's been the dream job. I mean, I've been a consultant for uh, 15 plus years and to actually have a role where my specific responsibilities is to work on building nonprofit capacity in the areas of strategy and governance and philanthropy has just been wonderful. And I would say I probably worked with about 25, 30 or more organizations in the first year of the program, and we are now in its second year. And so our, our programming has, has changed a little bit um, and evolved over the first year. But um, in year one, what we did is we, we offered office hours for nonprofits. So I, um, I have office hours virtually every Wednesday from 9 to 12, and nonprofits can use the foundation's website to uh, sign up 
on their own for those office hours. Uh, secondly, we have a program that it's a tiny little grant program where the foundation will pay for 10 hours of my time to help nonprofits around, like I said, strategy or governance or philanthropy challenges. Um, and then the third piece of it is uh, I design trainings and uh, coaching and education sessions based on what I have learned in my offices and my, my specific work with nonprofits in, their, uh, in our 10 hours of, of time together. So I could draw a breath if you wanted to zero in on a particular aspect of that work, or I can sure keep talking. Excellent. Yeah, I would be interested in just uh, maybe could you share a little bit about what the model is of the Mankato Foundation itself and and um, and then kind of how they knew that this was a need and that, you know, that they needed to like do something different to be more effective. Absolutely. Um, so I actually have done the Mankato Area Foundation strategic planning four times. And I started working with them probably 10 years ago when they were about a two or three million dollar organization. And they are now up, uh, about 32 or 33 million. And they, uh, the vast majority of their funds are in donor advised funds. So, um, so they ha that is their primary model. They do have uh, funds that they're able to, that are their own, that, that donors have given to them to spend on, on priorities they see within the community. Um, they actually give about $2 million a year out. And I think when we first started, they were doing maybe $80,000 a year in grant making. So that $2 million is, is funds from the donor advised funds and uh, also from, from their own uh, un unrestricted funds. And in our strategic planning process, from the very beginning, they talked about they wanted to be the experts in philanthropy in the Mankato area, which for them includes Blue Earth and Nicollet counties. And we had really honest conversations in our strategic planning process about the fact that just declaring that you were an expert didn't make you an expert, or just because you had a board of leaders in the community who served on a whole array of other nonprofit boards didn't necessarily make the Mankato Area Foundation an expert in the nonprofit sector in, in these two counties. And so over our work, to, we set out to become even, to, to really become expert, or as, as we probably are more comfortable saying, become more knowledgeable and genuinely understand what nonprofits in the community were facing in terms of challenges and opportunities and what they honestly needed from funders in order to really move the dial on the very complicated issues that they were facing. So in our last planning session, which happened um, probably, I think it was in the fall of 2020, so as COVID was um, still very much in its beginning stages. And, and out of that planning process, we decided that the foundation wanted to elevate the role of philanthropy as a means for doing good in the community. And they wanted to be more strategic about how they used philanthropy. And so one of the key goals that the group identified was, was, was building more partnerships with and better supporting the nonprofit sector. And so out of that came this concept of the consultant in residence 
and actually this, this idea of convening what we would call community listening sessions, where every month we, and it actually ended up being every other month, we would convene nonprofits in a particular theme or, or um, focus area, whether it's housing insecurity or food insecurity, mental health, uh, people with disabilities, uh, the arts, whatever, we would convene a, a panel of executive directors from organizations with a shared goal. We would invite the, the donor advised fund holders. We'd invite other leaders within the community, so city officials and other funders in the community, as well as the Mankato Area Foundation's board. And we, we asked the nonprofits questions about what were they really proud of? What were they, what was keeping them awake at night as executive directors? And what were their most persistent challenges. And so we started to learn that, you know, transportation, workforce, um, board development, uh, and philanthropy were, were perennial challenges. And, and from that, we, we um, so we took that information and we sort of incorporated that into our, our concept around the consultant in residence and, and identified those areas of strategy and philanthropy and governance as areas where we thought they most, that they had shared with us, they most needed help and support, and then tried to offer them this sort of open opportunity to ask for help in those three, within those three themes. That's fantastic. I'm sure that was a, a, a just unconventional uh, kind of a, resource for the nonprofits especially so they didn't have to jump through a, a bunch of hoops to just get that kind of um hand hands-on advice that that was going to be helpful to them well and what we realized a couple of things that um as your the title of the podcast says that we needed to do the foundation needed to do more than just beyond the checkbook that they could and they wanted to do more and they and the community needed them to do more than just grants and they they realized that um, so they, they also changed their community granting program. So they no longer have deadlines. They have, ro or, well, they have rolling deadlines so that their grants committee meets every month and, or on a regular basis. And they really streamlined the, the grant application. And then with this consultant in residence program, we realized that they hardly ever got proposals asking to build their own capacity. So they rarely got proposals to help them deliver their mission better. I mean, they would get strategic planning proposals and they might get proposals to um, pay for a capital campaign consultant, but we had heard from them that there were all of these other issues that were really tiring the executive director and the staff and stressing them and the board and that were really limiting their ability to do the good work that they wanted to do. So through the consultant in residence program, they would have a tiny little grant where they answered three questions, um, which was one, who are you? Two, what do you want to do? What do you want to work on with the consultant in residence? And three, who's going to work with the consultant? 
And um, so super simple, ongoing process. Um, the, the nonprofit specialist, Sarah Beiswanger, would get the application. She'd forward it to me and say, is this something you can help with? We'd uh, have an, an initial conversation to make sure that it was something that we could make some substantive progress on in the 10 or 12 hours that we had to uh, um, allot for them. And it's been working really beautifully. We've had, well, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think part of the reason I've enjoyed it so much is because I've had such willing partners on the side of the nonprofits. And I have actually watched them do some really amazing things, sometimes very simple, but very impactful things that have helped build their own confidence, no matter what their role is in the organization, uh, helped build their confidence around those three areas of strategy and fundraising and governance. Would you like to share any specific examples? And you can share how many, how, whatever level of detail you would like, but I'd love to hear kind of a before and after Sure. Kind of a story. <laughs> well, yes, I was thinking about that before um, before we got on today, and I so I kind of made this list of the different kinds of things that I've been working with people on in those three areas, and I have to say that in fact governance has been one that has that's been one of the most high demand areas um, I've done. So I probably I'd say probably. 40 or 45% of my work has been in governance. And even if I'm working on strategy or philanthropy, there's always a governance element of that. And it can be as simple as, um, you know, it's a startup organization that has uh, a working board that um, doesn't know how to deal with their new executive director and how do they create a partnership there. Um, it can be uh, something we're all familiar with, where they might have a rogue board member or a, you know, a really uh, opinionated board member who is shutting down conversation and not allowing the organization to consider all angles of an issue or a challenge. Um, and it can be, you know, looking at their bylaws. It can be how do we evaluate the executive director? How do we actually build a partnership between the ED and the board? So. Those are the kinds of governance-related issues we've been working on, so really simple to, to a little more complex. Um, in the fundraising arena, uh, there have been a number of organizations that are contemplating capital campaigns. And uh, also because we've been doing this as, as our communities are coming out of COVID or trying to recover from COVID, we've had to um, talk about, well, well how do we how do we re how do we rebuild our staff how do we how do we restart our organization's programs and services if maybe they were had significant amount, amounts of government funding like disability organizations and didn't have access to those funds because they weren't delivering services the way the government wanted them to we had to develop strategies for how could they get the money that they needed to to support and provide services to this very vulnerable and very disconnected population. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of people uh, have been needing to find new, new homes uh, because they've lost leases or um, they have grown and expanded. And so I, I would say that um, there have been some really good successes there that I can come back and talk about. And then the third, third area around strategy 
um, those things have been as simple sometimes as sort of management strategy. Like how do we, what's the right structure for our tiny shop, uh, our tiny organization of four people? And how do we cover fundraising within this tiny staff where we have all these things that we're trying to do? Um, it can be uh, actually helping. I, I worked with one nonprofit that uh, was uh, had a fiscal sponsor and wasn't sure if the, their question of me is, we need to understand whether the community really wants this organization. We've done some good things and accomplished some some things, but we're not sure if this if the community is is going to embrace it, take this over. So I worked with that organization to really define well, what is your purpose? What are you really here to do? Not just in terms of what programs are you going to deliver, but what is the outcome that you're seeking? What do you want the community to look like because of your efforts? And so the organization at the end of our work together decided that, yes, there was need and demand in the community, and they were going to go on and pursue their own 501c3 status. Uh, so so that's that's one example there. Um, I can go back to, I'm sorry, Gay, I'm not really good at this podcast thing, so I, 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 I may not be as linear as I um, but I can think of, um, there's a, there was one organization in particular that I was especially proud of because, um, it's an arts-based organization and they were, um, looking to raise several million dollars to, um, to have a new home. And the executive director had said, you know, I don't really have any fundraising experience and I don't really know how to do this. And I don't know how to engage my board and, and all of those things. So we spent some time, uh, and she was a fabulous partner there at ED, and, and really determined what is the value of this new that your organization would have. Why should the community care about that and what benefit is it going to bring to the broader community? So we really worked hard on that value proposition and the reasons the organization not just needed philanthropy, but merited, was worthy of philanthropy. And then we identified her top donors from within her active base of supporters who had been fairly modest up until that point. And then we, I coached her on individually how would you frame, like, first of all, how would you even approach these individuals to invite them into a conversation? And then once you do, how would you, how would you get to the point where you're making an ask? And um, once we had practiced that and, and, and she'd really found a way to, you know, to, to, to frame it in her own, according to her own strengths, I would get calls like every other day. Well, I just talked to so-and-so and guess what? I have a gift commitment of 150000 I have a gift commitment of 50000 And she'd never done those things before. And when we first started, she was thinking about, well, do I need to have some events? And maybe I need to have a gala and I need to do this and that. And um, my background is really in, in major gifts. And I know the research says that, you know, 4% of donors provide 76% of an organization's resources. And I think the newest number is 12% of donors provide 88% of an organization's uh, funds. So that 80, the Pareto principle for nonprofits is even more pronounced. And so 
because she was new and, and was willing to work with me as a full partner, her being a full partner, we were able to develop something that, that was based on the highest return on investment. And she was wildly successful and her confidence was built and she's continuing to do that. Um, she hasn't reached her goal yet, but um, there are all kinds of reasons for that, but not her own confidence and her own ability to do it. Right, right. That's wonderful to hear how someone can be empowered and yeah, um, their own um, their own language that is in their comfort zone for having converse, conversations um, that that yeah that they're not they don't have a, a history of doing so. That's wonderful. No, and, and she's that, really good at it now too. So and it, yeah, and she probably helps ignite that spark in her board and other and her volunteers yeah. as well to yeah. kind of fire it's, them up. So really fun to watch and it's super fun to get the calls and texts from her about that <laughs> um, and I was going to offer another example if if that's okay mm-hmm, please yeah um this one more on the on the governance side um, but I was working with a an organization um, that ha- was maybe 30 or 40 years old and had just recently hired uh, a part-time executive director or manager and you know organizations have a hard time moving from a working board to a professional staff member and um and they also were struggling because um i I think when you have long-term board members they don't understand they don't always recognize the change that's taking place in the community and they aren't and even if they do they might not be comfortable um, with the notion that the organization's governance and programs and leadership might need to change as well. And so um, I was brought in uh, to, to help them think about a new code of conduct for the board, um, about how they actually treat each other, how they treat the people who, because many of them were volunteers in the service delivery too. So a uh, we really focused on how to think about um, being kind and respectful and understanding of people um, who are different from you, who look different, who have different income levels. Um, and, and, and we're really able to turn that board over and bring new leadership in that is super excited about growth and not stuck in um, and kind of the old tapes and the old messages, and this is the way we've always done things. And um, it's very exciting. One of our new products or, or programs within the consultant in residency program is this good governance cohort. And this, the new chair and the um, leader of this organization are participating in that cohort. And they are like sponges. Everything they learn in the cohort, they take back and and try to execute with their board and come to each new session to tell me exactly what, they, what they've what they done and, and work to implement. So it's Great. really fun because we see for very little investment on the foundation's part, we actually see returns. Mm-hmm. And the the foundation is learning more about how they can help and support the nonprofits. And that also finds its way into their grant making as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is going to really bring about 
long-term a long-term culture shift in the local scene, a uh, nonprofit scene in that area, I can tell. Yeah. Yeah, that's our uh, hope. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about how donors themselves in the area are linking in with this process and how they're having input, but also how they're maybe changing their way of thinking and approaching their philanthropy. Yeah, and I think that part we haven't had as much time to really focus on. So I don't, we haven't measured that part as much. It's certainly on our radar that that's the ultimate goal is because, um, as I said earlier, we're trying to elevate philanthropy as this tool for doing good in the community. And so that means that donors have to, they themselves have to have a deeper understanding of the challenges the nonprofits face. and an understanding of how they can help and support without being um, directive in their own way. So a couple of things I can offer is that the, the foundation initially funded the consultant in residence program because they had leftover funds from their COVID response fund. Um, to fund this second year, they've actually asked other donors to support by sharing what we've learned and what we've accomplished. And so they've received funds from other foundations who want to build the nonprofit capacity. And then these, these donors often come to um, the, the community listening sessions that we convene with the nonprofits in certain thematic areas. So if, they, if, it, if the topic is an issue or an area in which they fund, they come to, the, to those and then Nancy Zalek is the executive director of the, of, or she's the CEO of the Mankato Area Foundation. And her knowledge, I mean, she's always had these really great instincts about, because she's been on the ground, she's kind and, and open door, and she'll talk to anyone. But we have more data now, because we, we, we do, we, we identify which stage in the nonprofit life cycle each um, client, so to speak, is and what their the topic area is and what the outcome is. So we're sharing that information with those people who fund it, uh, fund the consultant in residence program. We're sharing that with her board members. We're sharing that with their grants committee, and we're we're working out methods to more formally share that with the donor advised fund holders. Um, one thing that that comes out has come out of this as well is that because they're a, a, a DAF funded community foundation, you know their value is in is connecting nonprofits and donors. And so, the Nancy and her team, because of this program and those listening sessions that we do, they understand more about the nonprofit sector, and they are able then to go to these donor advised fund holders and say. Here's what we've learned, and um, there are some challenges here. Is this something you'd be interested in funding? Um, one of the hard things for me is that um, I can't um, I, I I can't connect people to the money at the Mankato Area Foundation. So I do have to share with people when they're working with me that this isn't you know, a, a, a for sure pathway to be funded by either the foundation's uh, unrestricted money or its its donor advised fund holders. But 
Um, but I do report in to Nancy. I do share with her the findings, and then she takes that information as appropriate to donors. So um, we try to get there. It seems to me that just like by building the competence, the confidence, and I would say the transparency of the nonprofits and, you know, having their governance teams all be on the same page and all of that, it's going to increase the confidence level of donors in the area. So that's just like be the, the, the trickle down effect or the domino effect of what, of what you're doing. I think so. And I think too, though, to your earlier question, Gay, I mean, I, I think Nancy and I both really want to find ways to maybe strengthen that connection or hurry up the trickle down. Um, but, but we've, we've always approached this from a, well, let, these are our assumptions to start with. Let's see if what happens, let's adjust those assumptions and let's change and grow our program as a result. And our North star is that piece about, you know, really promoting philanthropy as the best means for doing good within our community or within the Mayfield area. Um, and we're doing, um, we're doing actually right now, we're, we're learning some things um, because, because we, again, worked with so many different organizations. I'm now seeing that we're starting to work with maybe that second tier of nonprofits that are maybe smaller and not as visible within the community. And a good number of those happen to be um, BIPOC-led or immigrant-led organizations. And so I've started to observe as they are asking me for fundraising help. And, um, you know, I was sharing with um, the foundation staff the other day that I feel like these groups are doing exactly what we want them. I mean, the work they're doing is so important around building the communities we all can live in and want to live in. But it's like they have to do it blindfolded with one hand behind their back because they don't understand our system or our, our processes around philanthropy. And so the work I'm doing with them is, is um, more remedial because they, they're so focused on doing their work and they're doing it with these tiny little shoestrings, which is true of all nonprofits, but it's, it's particularly profound with, I think, these immigrant-led organizations that, that at least that I'm working with through the consultant in residence. And so we're having a meeting in a couple of weeks with a number of organizations to say, this is something we've observed. What do you think about this? Um, how could we help and support you? Um, so, I, for example, I'm working with one organization where, for example, he looked at the Bremer Foundation, the ED looked at the Bremer Foundation, Bremer Trust application, and he said, I, I can't do this. This is way too complicated. My budget's only 60000 I I can't do this. And so, um, and, and my thought is, you know, they might not have funded him anyhow. So we, what we decided we would do is, you know, Bremer has four deadlines throughout the year. So we're going to gradually work on this application. I also scheduled an appointment with one of the program staff where I could introduce the executive director and founder of this organization to the program person and share that he's learning this process. He's doing great work. 
and 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 see if they can start to build a relationship that I don't have to be a part of, but so that he starts to have other people who care about his work and want to help him advance that work. So, so we're kind of we're kind of now going to the next level where we're we're learning some other things that might not be as obvious because we're not working with the normal cast of characters all the time or exclusively. We're working with with people that um, that aren't just aren't in the spotlight all the time. Right. Haven't had equitable access to right. like you said, kind of the, the system. Here's how right. this is how, how it works. But right. but they see that they're but they're responding to the need yeah. that they see in their community and who can perhaps help facilitate partnerships right. and collaborations to help them be more successful. Yeah. And I know that the, the Mankato Area Foundation, their nonprofit specialist, Sarah Beiswinger, has these great relationships within the BIPOC, you know, different BIPOC communities within Mankato. They trust her. And so for her to be able to invite them to talk with us, um, you know, and, and it may not work that this session produces everything we need, but we're interested in and willing to, you know, go to their organizations and talk with them there or go into their communities or, or whatever, so that we, we can honestly say, what do you need from us? How can the foundation help? And how can the consultant in residence program help? And so it's kind of exciting because, um, again, they're doing really, really important work and they are doing it on the tiniest of shoestring. It sounds like you're doing a lot of um, creative work and some some yeah. kind of you know really problem solving and really looking towards the long term. So right. I think to in the few minutes we have left, I wonder if you could just share uh, kind of what you see happening next, and then and then I think we'll have to make a date to to do a follow up in. <laughs> six months or something, nine months and, and see how it's all been going. Yeah, I would love that. So we have funding at the Mankato Area Foundation for um, the remainder of this year. Um, and we ha we're doing the good governance cohort. Um, we're in the midst, we're three sessions into the six sessions. We're going to do a second session starting in July. And the foundation pays for the local nonprofits to be a part of that cohort. And we have five or six organizations, their EDs and their uh, board chairs participating. Um, we're going to continue to do that one-on-one -on -one consulting work, up, you know, up to 10 hours. And we're, we're working we're probably spending a little more time in, in this next year thinking about some of the issues that we've learned that are persistent. Um, you know, not that the foundation can solve the transportation challenges facing nonprofits in the Mankato area, but they are really great conveners. And maybe there are different kinds of conversations we can have, and there might be different ways to engage philanthropists in looking at that challenge. Maybe there's a nonprofit rideshare, you know, entrepreneur. Right. right. I mean, we, so we don't know, but, but the idea is that if we, if we, the foundation has been great about saying, Kim, if you see issues that it makes sense to convene nonprofits around, 
they they because part of the reason I think nonprofits have difficulty collaborating for the long term is because of money and because it's on top of what they already do. And so the foundation has paid me on at least two occasions to actually convene these collaborative, identify shared goals, shared outcomes, and how are we going to get there? So we're we're really interested in in that part too. Um, we we at the MCN or the MCF conference uh, earlier in February, and we got um, quite a few other community foundations in particular that are interested in learning more about this model. So our hope is that we can keep piloting this, we can keep telling people about it, we can keep sharing our story so that maybe others might, you know, they don't have to do this, but maybe they think about capacity building for their area nonprofit. That's so exciting. I can really see that taking off. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. That's wonderful. I would love to talk with you more and, and more in depth, but I feel like we're kind of running towards the end of our time here. Um, so the last two things, Kim, that I'll offer, we always like to ask our guests, what is a, a really great piece of advice that you've been given somewhere along your journey that is like a, a bit of a touchstone for you, maybe something you just keep using as a reminder that you'd like to share with our listeners. So that little piece of advice. And then I always like to give people an opportunity to just like sort of plug something like tell us your web, you know, send us to your website or if there's something you want to make a pitch kind of that, that you uh, would like our listeners to know about, um, you can share that too. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Kay. I, I've had a number of mentors and supporters throughout my career. And so it's kind of hard for me to think about one thing. Um, but I know that I've been really focused lately on trying to make nonprofit, to, to help nonprofits be the bridge to building community. That I think about how polarized our community is. And I feel like nonprofits are the one entity that can really help us bridge that partisanship and that division and that hostility. And so I, I am very much driven by looking at nonprofits as these community building and community builders for all of us. And so I've had lots of people that have helped shape that. So I apologize if that wasn't quite what you were. No, hoping. that's that's wonderful. And the words. The word bri words bridge and bridging kept coming to my mind as you were talking, so that really mm -hmm. makes makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Well, and then the thing I would love to plug is that we are going to be we've been piloting our good governance cohort in Mankato, and we will be bringing it to the Twin Cities um, probably in May or June. And so we'll post. I think we'll send out a something on LinkedIn or whatever. But um, Governance is, is really a passion, and it's critical to being good fundraisers, too, is to have, have an organization that is, has strong leadership and, and knows where it's going and why and has people out there actively advocating for its success. And so our good governance cohort, we think, is, is um, maybe a good tool for helping them be more of that bridge with the community. Wonderful. And how can people follow that um, 
Well, our website is is um, excelsiorbaygroup.com. And um, we are going to, so we'll have it on there in the near future. And then we'll also put something uh, um, on LinkedIn. I am not, it's funny, I'm kind of an old fuddy-dud. And so my husband has to do all <laughs> So he's going to be um, um, sharing it through through LinkedIn at this point. But people are all welcome to call or email, do the old school thing. And, and I'll for sure follow up if there's interest. So we thank all- you. Yeah, we all need a little help from time to time, don't we, for <laughs> things like that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Getting the word out, doing the technical, right? Technical stuff. So awesome. Well, this has just been a delight, Kim, for me to get to chat with you a little bit. And um, you're certainly doing transformative work and innovative work, and. It's just uh, so hopeful and so inspiring to hear about it. So I really, really appreciate the conversation. Well, thank you, Gay. I'm really grateful to have the chance to tell people about it. So thank you for having me. I'm grateful. Thank you so much. Have a good one. And thanks to all of our listeners for being here today. Thank you for listening to today's show. We hope you gained some helpful insights or practical advice. And if you did, we'd love to hear about it. So please take a moment and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or comment on one of our recent social posts. And if you send us a screenshot of your review, we'll send you a Legacy of Generosity sticker. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. And follow us on LinkedIn at Leave a Legacy MN or Instagram at Legacy of Generosity Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.